0: And today our sermon is going to focus on giving. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. If you were able, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. The Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, teaches us, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I, test, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us accordingly we urge Titus that as he had started he should so he should complete among you this act of grace but as you excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you see that you excel in this act of grace also i say this not as a command but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet For your sake, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Pray with me. Lord, this is your word. Remove every distraction from this place, whether it's in our hearts or minds, issues of the day, that we might focus upon your word and worship you through it. Teach us, O God, we pray. Lord, if there's one here who doesn't know you, Holy Spirit, would you do that work in their hearts? all that one savingly to you. And for believers here today, may we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I know most of you know I was a high school varsity football coach for 10 years. And over that amount of time, I encountered so many types of players. I coached players who really wanted to be there. Their hearts were in it. And I coached players who just didn't want to be there. Their hearts were far, far from being in it. Let me tell you a little bit about coaching both types of players. And maybe you've had experience with this, maybe as a coach or as one of these players. You know, when you coach a player whose heart is in the game, you find that that player, he wants to come to practice. In fact, he's going to show up early And probably stay late. He's going to come to summer workouts. You're not going to have to drag him or persuade him to be there. He's going to voluntarily want to come. He's one of those players that's going to want extra film sessions when you're preparing for a game. It's it's wonderful to coach a player whose heart is in it because you don't have to drag him to do anything. He does nothing under compulsion, but he does it because he wants to do it. But then there's the other side. The player whose heart is just not in it. And he didn't want to be at practice. He didn't want to participate. And once you got to know him, you found that he was there, not because he wanted to be there, but he was there under compulsion. He had been persuaded maybe by some friends all play on the team. And for many players, there was a lot of pressure from home. Their moms and dads wanted them to be on the team. That's why they were on the team. And that player never really enjoyed playing the game. He hated being at practice. He hated games even more because he never got on the field, had to just stand on the sideline. He didn't want to be there. His heart was not in it. I can remember one particular player. I had coached him a couple years, and I knew his heart wasn't in it. He finally came to me one offseason, knocked on my office door, and said, Coach Mompower, can we talk for a minute? And I said, sure. I said, What's going on? He said, Coach, I just want you to know, listen, I've been playing football a couple years for you. Look, my heart's just not in it. I don't enjoy this. Um, I've been thinking about it this offseason. I don't think I should play uh, this coming year. And you know what? I agreed with him. He had had the experience, he knew he didn't want to be there. And I kind of found later he was getting some pressure from home, from mom and dad, but his heart wasn't in it. And I said, Hey, you know what? I think you're right. This is a good decision for you. And he went on to focus on other things that his heart was in. And I tell you that story because it's hard to do anything when your heart's not in it. It's hard to go to work. It's hard to go to school. It's hard to be a good parent. It's hard to be a good spouse when your heart's not in it. That's why Jesus says when you love God, you're to love him with all your heart. Not part of your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Jesus doesn't want us over here doing things out of compulsion or because of pressure. He wants us to love him, have a full heart, walking with him, trusting him, believing him in the Christian life. You know what else is hard to do when your heart's not in it? It's hard to give. Giving is very hard to do when your heart's not in it. That's why today the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the Corinthians. But in his letter to the Corinthians, he tells the Corinthians about another group of churches over here in Macedonia, which was the Berean, Thessalonican, and Philippian churches, that these churches, though they were very poor, their hearts were bought into giving. They were committed. They were all in when it came to giving. And Paul was telling these churches that they're telling the Corinthian church that even though these Macedonian churches were poor, it didn't matter. Their heart was in it when it came to giving. And what Paul does in this chapter to the Corinthians, he picks up these three Macedonian churches, and he uses them as an example to the Corinthian church. So we, today we find that these Macedonian churches, they're not only an example to Corinth. They're an example to us. And as we study this text, we're going to learn about the hearts of the Macedonians, these three churches, and we're going to find out several things about giving. If you have your bulletin today, if you look on the very back, there's an outline of six different points that we're going to make concerning giving as illustrated by these three Macedonian churches. Churches. Number one is that giving is because of grace. Secondly, giving overcomes obstacles. Number three, giving is intentionally sacrificial. Number four, giving is desired. Number five, that giving your whole heart to the Lord should come first. And then finally, in Jesus Christ, giving. Is modeled. But let's look at the first point. Number one, that giving is because of grace. Look back at verse one. It says this We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Paul says, We want you to know, Corinthian church, there's something that you don't know that's going on over here in Macedonia. And we want you to know. About it. What is it? He says these churches, again, the Philippian, Thessalonican, and Berean churches make up the Macedonian church. They were in a very poor region, but they were giving. And they were giving generously. Well, why were they doing that? Why would poor churches give generously? Well, was it to be recognized by other churches? Well, that's not what the text says. Was it to be put on a pedestal? Nope. Was it to win an award for giving? No. It's none of these. This text says the reason they gave was the grace of God. We want you to know, brothers, about what? About the grace of God that has been given among these churches. What is God's grace? God's grace, of course, is his undeserved favor. And these three churches realized how much God had done for them, even when they deserved none of it. That God had given them Jesus Christ freely offered in the gospel for the forgiveness of sins. And in response to that grace, these Macedonian churches showed grace to others. What the scriptures are teaching us today is that God's grace should bring about certain effects in our lives, and one of those effects, the Bible says to us today, is generosity. And these Macedonian churches, though they were very poor, they saw a need in Jerusalem and they gave. Here's what was going on. Over in Jerusalem, the Christians were poor. They were really struggling. And they had a need in Jerusalem. So even though these Macedonian churches had their own issues, they gave. They gave to the church in Jerusalem. And we see from this that their heart was in it. They didn't have to be dragged to give or persuaded to give. Their hearts had been captivated by the grace of God, and it was the grace of God that compelled them to give. This is what we call grace-motivated giving. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ talks about giving, fasting, and praying. We just spent a long time in that chapter looking at the Lord's Prayer. But when he talked about giving, he told the story of the Pharisees when they gave, that they went to a certain place at a certain time, called a press conference basically, and would announce to other people that they are giving. Why? So that they could be recognized by men. So they can be seen by men. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said because of that they have their reward in full, which is no reward from God, basically a hand clap from man, but that's it, which has absolutely no eternal value. The giving described here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is nothing like that. The grace of God was their motivation, so they gave. So the question comes to you, and it comes to me today, what motivates our giving? Is it to be seen like others, like those Pharisees? Is it to be recognized by the church? Is it something man-made to be put on a pedestal? Or is it the grace of God? That God's grace has so affected our lives that our hearts are in it. They're motivated to give. This is grace-based giving. Number two, giving overcomes obstacles. Look at verse two. For in severe For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So point number one was grace-based givings. Point number two is giving overcomes obstacles. Let me first say that grace-based giving does not mean that giving is easy. This text teaches us that. In fact, this text teaches us that those Macedonian churches had at least two gigantic obstacles that stood between them and giving. Number one from the text is affliction, and number two is poverty. Affliction or persecution. All we have to do is read the book of Acts, specifically chapter 17, and we can read all about that Macedonian church at Thessalonica. The Bible says a, a mob attacked the house of Jason in that chapter to start beating up on Christians. Get these people out of town. There was persecution there in Thessalonica. When Paul writes the book of Philippians, he talks about the persecution that the church had endured. This was a major obstacle for the Thessalonican and the Philippian churches to give. The second one is poverty. That these three churches, they had very little, almost nothing. That's something that very few of us here today have to say on a daily basis. But they had to say it. And these two obstacles, persecution and poverty, they stood in the way of giving. But these Macedonians, they didn't let those obstacles get in the way of their grace-based giving rather this text says yes they had their own needs but they saw that the needs of others the Jerusalem church had needs that were more important so they gave and their hearts were in giving their hearts expressed the grace of God that had been given to them when we read Philippians we hear the mindset that the Philippians must have had from chapter 4 verse 19 Paul says this but God will supply your need according to his riches and glory so they gave and they trusted at the same time John MacArthur says it this way giving is not a matter of how much one possesses but it is an expression of unselfish of an unselfish life and a loving heart Well, how does this apply to you and to me? I guess the question to ask is this. What obstacles do we let get in between ourselves and giving? Most of the time, we don't have to deal with the persecution, the poverty that the Macedonian churches have. We have much smaller obstacles like selfishness or the difference between a want and a need. That's an obstacle. Forgetfulness, not prioritizing giving. Beloved, let's consider how these Macedonians overcame their obstacles when we consider our obstacles in giving. Number three, the Bible says that giving is intentionally sacrificial. Look at verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Friends, this teaches us that when they gave, not only did they give until it hurt, but they gave until it really, really, really hurt a lot. We've already learned they faced supreme persecution and poverty so they were already hurting but that hurt didn't stop them they put others first they trusted the lord to supply their needs they sacrificed their personal desires for the benefit of others their giving was sacrificial it cost them something I know many of you have done a study of David. Do you remember what David said in 1 Chronicles 21? He says, I will not offer burnt offering that has cost me nothing. He knew that his giving must be sacrificial. Who else does this sound like? Not only does it sound like David, but it sounds like Jesus. The salvation that Jesus bought for you and for me cost him Everything He had to sacrifice his life on the cross. So how does this apply to us? We ask the question, what are we willing to sacrifice intentionally? What are we holding on to right now that the Lord might want us to give up for the purpose of giving? What can we lay down for the benefit of others as these Macedonian churches laid down things for the church in Jerusalem, what can we sacrifice in order to give generously? Point number four, giving is desired. Look at verse four of the text, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Let's go back and talk about the heart, shall we? When your heart's in it and your heart's not in it. You know, when your heart is in something, you don't have to be asked to do it. And it, it coaching, that's the way it worked. When I had a player whose heart was in it, I didn't have to ask, are you coming to practice? Are you going to show up at the weight room? Didn't ask those questions. I asked the others those questions all the time. Their heart wasn't in it. But when your heart's in it, you don't have to ask. You do it because your heart is in it. You desire to do it. And I want you to see that's what the grace of God had done to the hearts of these Macedonians. God had changed their hearts. In fact, verse 4 says, God's grace had so motivated their hearts, they were begging. Do you see that, verse 4? They were begging for the favor of giving to the church at Jerusalem. Parents, let me ask you a question. Don't you wish your children's hearts would beg to obey you? Don't you wish your children's hearts would beg to go clean up their room and do their chores? Right here, God wants his children's hearts to beg to give Generously. That giving is the desire of the heart of one that has been changed by grace. Number five, giving your whole heart to the Lord comes first. Look at verse five. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then. By the will of God to us. They gave themselves first to the Lord. You see, before the hearts of those Macedonians were ever compelled to give to the church of Jerusalem, something had gone on in their heart. This text says that their hearts were first given to God. So before they ever decided to give to Jerusalem, God had poured his grace on them, and in response, the Macedonians decided to live for God first, to make God a priority in their lives. He wasn't going to be number two or number three. He was going to be number one. God was their first love. And this lesson teaches us the problem. That so many of us have with giving today. Because instead of making God the first priority in our lives, we put idols in front of God and make those idols the priorities in our lives. We let our comforts become priorities. We let our conveniences become priorities. We let our sports teams become our priorities. We let our entertainments become our priorities. And when the things of the world rule our hearts... You can't have grace-motivated giving. That's why this text emphasizes the need to give your heart to the Lord first. It goes back to even what we learned in the Lord's Prayer. God first, man second. You've got to have your relationship with God right first before life is going to be put in order. The Ten Commandments written the same way. It's only when God has our hearts first that giving can be in the right perspective. And then for the final point, point six, giving is modeled by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing that we have a God who doesn't just say give, but he first shows us how to give. He lives by example. Look at verse 9. Memorize this verse, by the way. Hide this one in your heart. You ready? 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Mark it down in your heart. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Listen, Jesus is fully and completely God, and he owns everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's his. Jesus is the one who deserves glory and honor and power. Jesus is the Son of God, the exact representation of God. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Yet this text says he became poor for you and for me, so that we might become rich. Let me read the text to you from Philippians chapter 2, the best description of this humility of Christ. This is Philippians 2 verse 5. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, yes, even death on a cross. The Lord Jesus, who had everything, came to this world and wrapped himself in our flesh and blood. The Bible says, as he lived and walked this earth, he had no place to lay his head. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was tired. And then he suffered on that cross for you and for me. He made himself nothing. He got on his knees in front of his disciples and washed their feet. He even washed the feet of Judas, the one who would betray him, a few hours later. He was made poor for our sake so that you and I might be made rich. Do you see how much it costs Jesus for the salvation that we have? We are bought with a price. And he's given us the richness of his salvation, of his adoption. We are now heirs to the king and what we learn is that God is the first giver one of the reasons I had John 3 16 and are called to worship today is to remind us all that God so loved the world that he gave God is the first Giver. As we conclude our sermon today, what things can we take away from this? Look at verse 8. This was Paul's conclusion to the Corinthians. It'll be my conclusion in our text today. Paul tells the Corinthians who were much better off than the churches at Macedonia. He says, I say this not as a command, but to, pr- or, uh, to, but to prove by the earnestness of others That your love is also genuine. And look actually, I'm sorry, I'm meant to start with verse seven and then come to verse eight. Let's look at verse seven. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in your and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. He told the Corinthians, You excel at a lot of things. You're you do You're doing really well in a lot of things in your spiritual life. Okay? He said you excel in faith. You excel in speech and knowledge and earnestness. Be sure to excel in this act of grace also, he says, this act of giving. Questions to consider. Number one, where is your heart when it comes to giving? Which player are you? (laughs) Are you all in or you got to be dragged? It's hard to do anything when your heart's not in it, anything. Particularly today, giving. This is a call to excel in generosity. If you're here today and you're like so many of my former players, your heart's not in it, I encourage you, go to the Lord and say, Lord, I confess this to you. My heart's not in it. Lord, would you change my heart that I, like these Macedonians, might be so affected by your grace that I could give and give generously? Number two, what obstacles are in your way for giving? Listen, grace-based giving is never easy. It's never easy. The Macedonians had two major obstacles, persecution and poverty what are yours ponder that before the lord number 3 is your giving sacrificial remember what david said i will not offer burnt offering to the lord that cost me nothing is there something you can give up for the sake of others number 4 do you desire to or beg to give The scripture today is teaching us that God's grace should affect our lives in such a way that our heart changes, that we have this desire to give. Our heart is in it. Number five, does your giving flow out of a heart that was first given to God? Maybe you're here today and you struggle about giving because you've never given your heart to the Lord. You're doing it maybe out of duty or compulsion or pressure, just like my players were playing for those reasons. If that is you today, give your heart to the Lord first. You can't have anything right in your life, anything, until you give your heart to the Lord first. Not just giving, but anything. And then finally, remember the first giver. Remember Jesus. Though he was rich, he became poor for our sake, that we might become rich through him. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Pray with me, please. Lord, teach us to give. As these Corinthians were living their lives, Paul says to the Corinthians, you know, you're excelling in so many ways. Don't neglect this way. Lord, help us to hear that call from verse 7 and verse 8 of this text, that we should not forsake excelling in giving. Lord, for, impact our hearts with your grace like you did those Macedonians.